How much money do you have left? Nothing. If I were to give you $50, what would you do with it? I'd eat. How long can you eat? How long can you live on $50? I don't know. I would bet not very long. You would bet. I'll tell you what. You come with me back to Vegas. I'll loan you $50. I'll show you what you did wrong. Why? What, 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 what are you, man? You, you, think, you think you're St. Francis or something? Uh, no, I don't think I'm St. Francis. I, look, are you looking for a f I'm not some boy hooker, if that's what you're after. I'm not looking for a hooker, John. I'm offering you a ride. I'm offering to teach you something. Gowser here with Matt Howell. And on this week's episode, we take one last ride around the park with Jurassic World Dominion. Is this a fitting send-off or proof that this franchise should have remained extinct? Dad joke. <laughs> and then we'll discuss Rise, Roar, Revolt, or RRR, the Tollywood action film that was a smash hit in India and is taking the rest of the world by storm. Are we going to have another example of Krish gushing over the new hotness du jour with Matt not seeing what the big deal is, or vice versa? <laughs> Will our hosts do what they usually do and agree? We'll see. We'll cover the physical media, straight to DVD, and streaming picks of the week. Then we'll wrap it up the show with uh, everyone's favorite reference to the 2010 New Orleans Saints, who dat? But first, here's a clip from Jurassic World Dominion. Bison bought this land for the amber deposits back in the 90s, but we've managed to turn it into a safe haven for about 20 displaced species. The first generation came from Sorna. Most of the nubar dinosaurs are here too. It took fish and wildlife three years to catch the T-Rex. The T-Rex is here. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right, just before you guys. <laughs> Deterrent system active. Restricted airspace. Protects the airborne life. Keeps the pterosaurs below 500 feet. Airborne. Is that Dreadnoughtus? <gasps> what? It's funny, Matt, watching this movie, Dreadnoughtus. I'm like, is that a real thing? <laughs> I, would, I gotta look it up and see if that's actually a real thing. It reminded me of, like, Unobtainium. Right. You know, right. like Gigasaurus. Yeah. I'm like, are those real, real things, or they just kind of make that up? I'm assuming they're legit. Oh, okay. So you didn't bother to look it up? No. Oh heavens, no. <laughs> no. After the I don't show, have that kids. kind of time. There you go. So, Matt, I think you posed a great question. First off, though, I'll ask it after you tell us what is Jurassic World Dominion all about. Ooh, that's a doozy, Chris. You wouldn't think that would be that hard. Um, so it's after the last Jurassic World. What was the last one called? Uh, Jurassic World. Fallen Kingdom. 
Fallen Kingdom. Things go right. kablooey. Yes. Um, so basically, uh, there are dinosaurs roaming uh, the Earth, and somehow they're spreading across the globe somehow. I don't know if that's working, but it's it's happening. Sure. Um, Kitchen a ride. Yeah, so uh, Bryce Tallis Howard and some of her compatriots have become basically dinosaur eco-terrorists. There's a weird Steve Jobs guy who's using them for genetic research or something. Uh, Chris Pratt's there, again, for some reason. And um, yeah, they decide that they have to kind of stop the dinosaurs. So they go back and get uh, Jeff Goldblum and, and Sam Neill and... Laura Dern. As you can tell, I was hardly paying attention in this movie. I'm like glazing over as I'm watching it. So that's basically what it's about. That's good enough, right? It's close enough. I think I, I think that's fine. Uh, that works for me. So then let me ask you, Matt, like you asked, let the si- should we have let the series go extinct or is there life in the old girl yet? Uh, I'm afraid based off of this last entry and the previous entries plus the direct sequels to the original Jurassic Park. I think we should have stopped at Jurassic Park and let it be like a one-off, like, you know, cultural watershed moment and not tried to cash in over and over and over again with ever-diminishing results. Like a clone that you just keep going over and over and over again. Like a copy of a copy. It just gets worse every time. I don't think Matt quite grasps the concept of Hollywood. (laughs) And uh, successful properties that well, studios rely on. One can dream, right? We can, we can, we can be aspirational on this show. One thing too, I never quite got is Chris Pratt's character's name is Owen Grady, which is probably one of the worst lead character names mm-hmm. in the history of cinema. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not looking for like a space mutiny, you know, big McLarge huge, <laughs> or anything that kind of thing, right? But I, I'd like something a little more. Little powerful, oof. yeah, you know, a little more, yeah, a little pop. Gotcha. And Owen Grady, he sounds yeah. like the caretaker at the Shining Hotel. The I mean, hotel. it's no Ian Malcolm, that's for sure. No, oh heavens, no, yeah, or Alan Grant, yeah, that's a strong name. That is, that sounds like some kind of uh, something Sean Connery would have played back in the, the, the 30s or something. Yeah, I'm asking Owen Grady to refill my beer. I'm not asking him to. <laughs> Owen train Grady a is the is the bartender sidekick that uh, Alan Grant confides to. Yeah, he's the barback, not yeah. even the bartender. So, Matt, what are your thoughts then on Dominion? I guess you're in the camp of. Uh, we, we, we just should have snuffed this baby out. Yeah, we should have. And what's sad is, I don't know what the box office is on this thing, but obviously. It's made enough money to warrant two sequels to Jurassic World, right? It's more than doubled its budget, this film. Really? So, it's just a matter of time before we get another one. And I just kind of dread having doing that. You know, in five, ten years from now, when we're still doing this show, like, I don't know what I want to talk about <laughs> on, you know, uh, Jurassic Space Mutiny. I have no idea what it's going to be about, you know? Um I just that would I just, be interesting. They try and recreate the park in space to finally make it safe. Yeah, and there's a K-pop band mm-hmm. that comes there, and mm-hmm. they're like the initiate. Well, I don't know if K-pop will still be huge back in ten, twenty years, but maybe not. We'll find you think, out. So I, I think they're gonna. You think they're gonna reboot or do a sequel in like five, ten years? Uh, that would be. Uh, see, the problem is that the, the original, the one that's based off of Michael Crichton's script, is. Directed by the man, Steven Spielberg. It's such an iconic piece of filmmaking, yeah. you know, that it was such a cultural touchstone. 
it's like somebody going out and picking up Jaws for the first time, the book, and being like, you know what, we should make a movie out of this. And that is not going to work. Um, yeah. So I feel like it's going to have to be some kind of sequel. And life will find a way about how dinosaurs turn into xenomorphs or some shit. That would be interesting. Yeah, like a Jurassic Park alien versus Predator. Yeah. But all you, three of them. Yeah, you could have Waylon yutani show up. So you got the Predators that are fighting a Native American <laughs> tribe, which I'm very excited about, actually. Right. Yeah, sure. But if we have them go up against dinosaurs, mm-hmm. or dinosaur-Neanderthal-human kind of hybrids. Right, or or dinosaur-xenomorph hybrids. They're going to be like raptor xenomorphs yeah, and, even better. and uh, T-Rex xenomorphs. Writes itself, guys. We better print this up and mail it to ourselves in a letter oh, so we can get that copyright you know established. Is that Rights reserved. Rights reserved. I said it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Let's start with a couple things. And don't worry, kids. There is a AMC MacGuffin drunk Ooh, drink for this. See? Nice. It's already hit me. Yeah. Uh, so I will be reviewing that at the end of our Dominion discussion. But I want to start off by saying that this film, for about 30 to 45 minutes, in the very beginning of the movie, first third, first quarter, we're going to say, truly atrocious. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, incredibly bad. Yeah. Like, I hated this movie for the first half hour. Mm -hmm. Hated it. Mm -hmm. And I did not like Fallen Kingdom at all. I think it was the worst thing this franchise has ever birthed. Right. Um, And I'm thinking, my God, this this is going to be even worse. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, Matt, it's not. I think once we get to Italy... Yeah, I think things actually pick up a bit, mm-hmm. and it's okay for the rest of the film. One thing that I was really shocked me—it hit me what Trevorrow's doing with this movie, Matt, is he's making a Bond film. Mm. All right, the whole thing plays out like a Bond movie, particularly Campbell Scott's uh, Tim Allen or Steve Jobs villain mm-hmm. thing, right? Mm-hmm. He. Is is like it's screaming Jonathan Price and Tomorrow Never Dies in this yes. movie for me. But that's what it, it really feels like a '90s era Pierce Brosnan Bond film. Mm. It really does. It's like Trevorrow decided to make a copy of Jurassic Park and like a Bond film. But like you said, when you make a copy over and over again, you know, or actually, it's even worse for me. I would say no. I would describe it more as when you copy your friend's homework. But you forget to change the answers enough so people gotcha. don't realize that you copied somebody else's mm-hmm. homework. Right. I mean, there even the canister shows up at the end of the shaving cream yeah, yeah, yeah. with like the DNA stuff, right? But I will say, I think once we that the stuff in Italy when oh, what is her name there? Dyson Lockman her character's name. And this is a good name, all right? This is a good name. Sayona Santos. Mm-hmm. All right. Now that's a good name. Mm-hmm. She is like a dinosaur smuggler. I don't know how you get into that business. Right. But they've trained their raptors there <laughs> to chase like a laser guide thing. And I yeah. guess you only have to tag them once, which I think sure. is weird. I guess maybe they get your scent after they see the laser tag. Don't don't think about it too much. We'll get Either into way, that. Yeah. That chase through Italy was was fun. I yeah. actually enjoyed that. Uh, I think just once we get that really dumb setup out of the way. It turns into a reasonably entertaining roller coaster ride, albeit one you've been on dozens of times before. Mm-hmm. It's like the 700th time you've gone on Space Mountain. It's still okay enough. It's just that, yeah, we, 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 we've been here. We've, yeah. we've been here before. And it does criminally underserve some of its new cast members, which we can talk about. But am I wrong about that? Does it go from horrible to middling? 
I think that's fair. I mean, I think it would say it's horrible with these kind of flashes of entertaining action sequences, and then it quickly yeah. descends back into horrible. Um, but those horrible, as you kind of get through the rest of the film, there's those stretches are shorter in between, between the fun action sequences. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's not enough to kind of save it. I think you're right. I think Fallen Kingdom is worse than this, but not by much. Here's the thing. As any longtime listener of the show will know, I am very, very lenient on genre pictures like i'm ones who always say you know what just go with it don't try and kind of make sense of it you know just enjoy it for what it is and when you have somebody like me who is starting to question the logic of this ridiculous sci-fi premise you know the film is in trouble like they're in italy there's giant t-rexes or whatever the hell they are eating people in the piazza and i'm like you know what we're humans we make things go extinct. Why aren't we like blowing this shit up with like A10s and and like, you know, we're just okay with dinosaurs running around eating a bunch of Italians in a, in a piazza. Like, like they literally pull a guy off a of Vespa or something. And it's like, why aren't they rolling like M1 Abram tanks like to just blow the shit out of all the T-Rexes? Like we could easily have this all wrapped up in a week, but apparently we can't. And that's where yeah. I don't get it. I, that, that baffled me as well. I'm yeah. like, Given the restrictions we've experienced as a society for the last couple of years, if dinosaurs were reintroduced into our ecosystem, mm-hmm. there is no way we would tolerate that for a week. No. Let alone have it be just a normal part of society. I could be biking down a road and a pterodactyl comes sweep me up. And yeah. hey, that's just how life is now. <laughs> that's right. Oh, what happened to your children? Mm, a raptor ate their guts out. Oh, sorry. You shouldn't let them go out by the woods. Now, I'm not saying it wouldn't turn into some kind of interstellar hellscape that whatever we just do to take rid of, you know, get rid of them ends up being a worse outcome for us. Sure. I guess it's entirely possible, but yeah, yeah, there is no way we would abide that stuff happening in any capacity. You know, maybe we don't kill the brontosauruses, maybe we don't kill the triceratops, but all the T-Rexes that are like, you know, 10 stories tall, we're killing all of them. Like they're going to be done within like two days. Absolutely. Another thing I didn't get, and this is going to sound kind of nitpicky, but there's one thing that didn't make sense to me logically. So, all right. So one of the characters in the film, right, is allegedly the clone of the granddaughter of mm. the uh, guy who opened up Jurassic Park. Did the whole, right. this whole thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And her name is Maisie. And she is struggling with her identity because I'm just a clone. I'm not even a real person, right? right. And it turns out that's really not potentially sort of kind of not the case. But there's a weird conversation she has with Laura Dern's character that chronologically makes no sense to me. So she is like carried to term as a as a child and born through the person. And Statler says to her, like, I knew your mom when she was pregnant and she wanted you to have the life she couldn't. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't make any sense because she doesn't find out she's terminally ill until after Maisie's born. Right. So, she experimented on Maisie, changing her DNA to stop her from having the um, illness that she has. Right. And to cure her, which is the core to the whole film, right? B.D. Wong returns again, and he's going to stop this locust side plot. And listen, (laughs) don't get me wrong. I love gigantic, creepy bugs. Yeah. Uh, Give me as much of that as you can. But he needs to take her DNA and then the DNA from the... How do you describe it? Auto birthed, auto the 
non-sexually, yeah, yeah, like sexually like spontaneous. We'll say you know, uh, immaculate conception of the dinosaurs or whatever. Sure, the Jesus yeah. Raptor. Yeah, the Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they use their two of their DNAs to be able to stop the locusts right. and save the world's, you know, food source. Right. And I still, I, I don't, I can't, I don't understand it because she said, "I met you when she was pregnant. She was pregnant at the time, and she went, meaning she knew she was going to die, but she didn't know she was going to die until after she was born." Now, if I'm misremembering that. Please shoot an email at feedback at the first run.com. But it really bothered me. I'm like, how can you try have this really allegedly really emotional moment where Maisie kind of finally accepts who she is and she's a real she's a real girl. Mm-hmm. She's not a wooden puppet. Right. Any of that kind of right? She's a real girl. Yep. If the whole premise or whole concept of that entire scene is fundamentally false. But I get that's kind of what this movie does, right? Yeah. It's just kind of one dumb thing after another dumb thing. Now I will say I think it's effectively scary at times mm-hmm. there are a couple of times where i think trevorrow does a good job with that which i think he totally fumbled in fallen kingdom right but i will say the obligatory checkoffs t-rex gigantosaurus fight yeah it lacks complete punch the yes. whole thing is just doa i agree even when they introduced the dinosaur bird hybrid monster thing still yeah. oh my god yeah yeah, I don't even know where to go with this. I mean, the whole thing just collapses under the weight of its, I guess, I'll use air quotes logic here. Um, it's just a mess. It's obviously just too many ideas that are all half-baked, kind of thrown up against the wall. Um, this thing could have used probably a good more, you know, three or four more passes by an editor. They could have punched this thing up. They could have done a lot of things, and they just didn't. They just kind of rushed the product out, you know. I think everybody knew they were kind of in a stinker. Chris Pratt's like, let's just get this shit filmed and I can move on with my life kind of stuff. And uh, I got more Amazon Prime action yeah, movies to make. Exactly. Bryce Dallas Howard's like, look, I'm a director now. I'm making Marvel movies and, and Star Wars stuff. Like, let's just move on from Fallen or Jurassic World or whatever it is. And here we are. Although I'm not that sad. I don't, it's not like I cherish the franchise as a whole beyond the first yeah, one. Yeah, there's... I have no connection to this franchise in any capacity outside mm. of the first film. Absolutely. Yeah. And though I think that Trevorrow does a reasonably good job giving each of its characters its moments, we got mm. a lot of people to juggle here because mm. we're bringing in the legacy Jurassic Park characters as well as the ones from the Jurassic World series. Yeah. But it's all superficial. I mean, everybody kind of gets a moment, but there's no real emotional connection or depth with it, depth with anybody. Yeah. And particularly, um, Dewanda Wise is Kayla Watts, who plays the pilot. Mm-hmm. Her arc is just like non-existent. She sees the girl Maisie getting like kidnapped and transferred, and she's like, "Oh, like wow, maybe I should have done something." So I'm going to help all you now. And it, the whole thing, it's just, it's about getting her back and giving them a, re, a a way to get to this mountainous area, and then to have that. I'll admit it, rather cool interaction with the dinosaurs on the frozen yeah, part of the that, Yeah, that was cool. I mean, it has some cool set pieces. It really does, but it's just not enough to save it. Let me ask you this question. Yeah. Do you think if this, when this is inevitably sequelized or rebooted or whatever, do you think somebody like Spielberg could come back and save it? Like, do you think he, if you could lure Spielberg back, could he catch some of that magic back into a I film? I think so. You think Absolutely. so? Absolutely. Yeah, maybe it's going to be Sattler and Grant's kid, mm-hmm. you know, and they come across some secret government product. I don't know. But, of course, 
It's Steven Spielberg. I don't think there's really. <laughs> I get. I think I would be shocked if he would fumble that. I mean, that Ready Player One's a bit of a stumble, right? Yeah. But I mean, it's well, Crystal Skull so. is not so great. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't do a lot of sequels outside of Indiana Jones, so I'm just kind of curious, yeah. you know, because um, it doesn't seem to be something he's interested in outside of no. Indy. Um, but just curious. What do you think? Yeah, I think he could come back and save it, although I don't think he would be interested in it. I think yeah. uh, a lot of his films, you know, I think Jurassic Park is, is a top-shelf film, but I don't think it's one of his perfect films, of which he's got several. Um, but he doesn't seem to have a lot of, you know, uh, interests in kind of revisiting places he's already been, again, outside of Indiana Jones. I think it's interesting that I thought about this, too. So the thing with Jaws, right? He never allows Jaws to be incorporated in any box sets or anything mm-hmm. with Jaws 2, 3, and 4. Right. And I'm surprised he hasn't he didn't exert that kind of power with the Jurassic Park stuff too, which makes me think that he doesn't have the same affection or, you know, inclination to do that. Yeah. As well, he I was mean, with Jaws. I mean, think of, you know, like I said, he's made I can think of at least he's got three perfect films in Jaws, I would argue ET, um, you know, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I think those are all perfect films. Obviously, he's got other great films, um, mm-hmm. but things like Saving Private Ryan and Schindler's List, nobody's going to make a sequel to anyway, so they're not in danger mm-hmm. of those kind of money-making schemes. Um, yeah, I I almost feel like like this is like Jurassic Park is really good. Like I really like Minority Report, but they almost seem like um yeoman work like the 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 spielberg version of yeoman work as much as that is you know they they definitely have more of a work for hire yeah feel to them i would agree with that oh and one of the notes too i almost missed this in my notes because again this is about the beginning of the film making me angry (laughs) the script in the beginning is really bad then there's a lot of really bizarre kind of close-ups that are truly like bland line deliveries yeah. even by sam neil yeah and they're almost they're comically bad yeah and then you're going to give laura dern you're gonna have laura dern say this line he slid into my dms you're gonna do that to laura dern <laughs> how dare you fellow sir? kids moment right there Ugh, disgusting matt i'm done what are you gonna give jurassic world dominion um you know, I think I'm going to go pretty... I'm going to bring the hammer down pretty hard. The Matt hammer is going to come down and be a D plus. I kind of waffled whether it should be a C minus, but no. I think overall it's a D plus film with the plus being a few great action set pieces. Once again, worlds apart, C minus. <laughs> Man, this is what people tune in for. To hear this, this, this back and forth banter of, of two disagreeing tastes. Good time. So I want to talk briefly about the T-Rex, and that's T-E-A, Rex, mm. drink at the uh, AMC McCuffin oh, Bar. Oh, please. Matt, made with Tito's, uh, which I, is the, um, why am I blanking? Tequila, thank you. Mm. And it had some peach schnapps, lemonade, and peach tea. And it was okay. It was okay. I think it's my least favorite out of all the drinks I've had at the MacGuffin so far. I'm going to okay. give it a B minus. Okay. It was all right. For some reason, the peach tea didn't mix as well with the lemonade. Okay. Maybe because I'm such a fan of the John Daly's. Gotcha. Um, John that, Daly's course, are good. The uh, For the uninitiated is the alcoholic version of the Arnold Palmer, mm-hmm. which is a vodka iced tea mm-hmm. with uh, lemonade. My summer go-to. 
but yeah, B minus on the T Rex. Yeah. So, what's your favorite so far? Still the the uh, sorcerer drink. Um, I from- think so, mm-hmm. and the Morbius one actually, I rather enjoy. Did you much, much better, better than, than the film? Movie. Yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> and I too remember last week, Matt. We were talking about me drinking old beers as I clean out my beer. Yeah. There, yeah. I am drinking a Prairie Artisan Ales Seasick Crocodile, which is a Christmas beer. Oh. <laughs> Christmas and in June. It's a sour ale with cranberries, ginger, cinnamon, and nutmeg, and it is delicious. I love these. Yeah. I need to clear out my own old beer, too. I have a lot. So there you go, folks. Jurassic World Dominion. Feedback at thefirstrun.com. Did you love it? We were wrong. I don't know how that's possible, but I guess it's anything can happen. Mm. We'd love to hear from you. Matt, let's talk about what's coming up on physical media this upcoming Tuesday, June 21st. Criterion got their hands on this one, and I am very excited. What you trying to lay on me, huh? Just love, Chef. Got nothing but love and sympathy. Then we're even. Go on, get on with it. Well, I thought you might know something I want to know. Seems there have been a lot of low, quiet rumbles going on uptown. Our people have been able to pick up the sounds of it, but no words. That's because us black folk talk mushmouth, Lieutenant. I thought we were going to get to it. We did, but you want me to pigeon. I just said, up yours, baby. <laughs> How come a couple of cats from Harlem come downtown this morning looking for John Shaft? Well, they're soul brothers. They came down so I could teach them to handshake. They find you? Of course, I wasn't hiding. If you find out anything, give me a call. Huh? I'm still at the 38th precinct. Right on. Hey, where the hell are you going, Shaft? To get laid. Where the hell are you going? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Shaft. That's right, folks. Criterion is putting out, Matt, a Blu-ray or, if you're viewing pleasure, a UHD of the uh, seminal classic from Gordon Parks, Shaft. And includes a Dolby Vision HDR presentation of the film, Matt. They got a brand new 4K restoration on this thing. An alternate uncompressed stereo soundtrack remastered by Isaac Hayes. Mm. Uh, and I think the other big special feature, I'm blown away by how packed this thing is. It includes Shaft's big score, Parks, the sequel from 1972. Now, Shaft goes to Africa, or excuse me, Shaft in Africa, is not part of this set. I don't know, probably because Parks wasn't, he didn't direct it. And I'll, I'll confess, I have not seen Shaft in Africa. But um, I love Shaft, and I'm very excited to pick this one up. I only have it on DVD. It also includes a brand new documentary, some new interviews, and more. But one of the classics of the black exploitation era is getting a UHD release from Criterion. Very exciting stuff. Matt, also coming up, Lionsgate is, uh, and I still hate you, Lionsgate, is putting out unbearable weight of massive talent, right, Matt? The mm. Nick Cage movie is getting its UHD and Blu-ray release. Best Buy has a truly ugly steel book. Walmart has unique packaging and is even a set that comes with a t-shirt, but no information on what size. I don't know if they're going to have different sizes, like you have an XL set, a large set, a meat. I have no idea. <laughs> but I do like the shirt. Mm. And then Target has its own packaging as well, I guess. It's, that's about it. Includes a Dolby Atmos track on the UHD, but no Dolby Vision or Dolby Vision for some reason, which is disappointing. Audio commentary, deleted scenes, and more. The Bad Guys, the latest animated film, Matt, is getting a release. Target has an exclusive 40-page filmmaker gallery book. Also includes an all-new exclusive short. Matt, the movie Pleasure, which I think I have in our 
TBD list okay. uh, is being released. 20-year-old Jessica leaves her small town in Sweden for L.A. with the aim to becoming the world's next big adult film star. It includes an introduction, some deleted scenes, camera tests, and more. It's supposed to be kind of a very unvarnished look at what that life is like. I've heard good things. I've heard bad things. After Yang is being released again by Lionsgate, you sons of bitches. Colin Farrell and Jody Turner-Smith. In a near future, a family records with the questions of love, connection, and loss after their AI helper unexpectedly breaks down. RLJ Entertainment is releasing The Cellar. Alicia Cuthbert stars about a woman's daughter who mysteriously vanishes in the cellar of her new house. She soon discovers that there's an ancient and powerful entity controlling their home that she will have to face or risk losing her family's souls forever. So, you know, when you were a little kid and you looked down the cellar stairs and it was mm-hmm. dark and you got freaked out? Mm-hmm. This is why. Zac Efron stars in the movie Gold. So it's a dystopian near future movie, Matt. You got to love those, right? <laughs> I know you're a big Efron head. Mm-hmm. Magnolia Pictures is putting out You're Not My Mother. In a North Dublin housing estate, Char's mother goes missing. When she returns, Char is determined to uncover the truth of her disappearance and unearth the dark secrets of her family. Amazon's modern musical update of Cinderella that's supposed to be really bad mm. is getting a uh, physical release, includes a gag reel. Decal releasing is putting out The Last Victim. Set in a, excuse me, set in the American Southwest. Sheriff Hickey works to solve the worst case he's seen in his small town, likely caused by a violent local gang led by a fearsome criminal. Because the director's commentary. Why did I bring this up? Well, it stars Ali Larder and, of course, first-run favorite, Ron Perlman. Mm. Lionsgate, bastards, is putting out <laughs> Escape the Field. Six strangers wake up trapped in an endless cornfield only to discover something mysterious is humping them. Lionsgate, again, I continue to despise you. Does anybody remember why I hate Lionsgate? I don't. I, it's been a so while why don't you fill me in? About it. Yeah, fill me in why you hate it's Lionsgate. It's been a while since I talked about it. So they put out all the A24 films. Yeah. And they also put out, I believe, some of the Apple films. And Lionsgate does not participate in movies anywhere for the digital copies. They only get them through, I think, through Voodoo. Okay. I am not a Voodoo guy. Voodoo sucks. <clears throat> all right? Because they don't have, I don't think they have 4K options for their digital copies. Mm. And I hate it. And I think they're poop. And I don't, Lionsgate will not get on board and join up with Movies Anywhere or offer an iTunes digital copy mm-hmm. that's why i hate them where am i private property ashley benson Catherine, a struggling actress and unfulfilled housewife the matt howell story becomes involved <laughs> with her new gardener ben as he gives her the attention and sensitivity she craves she starts to fall for each other but ben is not what he seems kino lorber is releasing hit the road well go usa is putting out ip man the awakening this is not an ip man film featuring donnie yen uh, new to Blu-ray, we talked about Shaft. Criterion is also putting out Rouge. One night, a beautiful ghost comes to Yuan's newspaper to place an advertisement. She's looking for someone and starts to follow Yuan around pleading. Floor was the most popular courtesan of Hong Kong. Among her many rich and young admirers, she chose Chan. Chan was dishonored by his parents, and the lovers were face-to-face with a sad, miserable future. Floor opted for suicide. She and Chan took raw opium with a vow that they would be united in another world, but Floor waited in vain. So she decides to come back. Brand new 4K restoration of Stanley Kwan's film. A new conversation with Kwan. Uh, a 1997 documentary and more. Scream Factory is putting out Fire in the Sky. 
This is a D.B. Sweeney uh, alien abduction movie with a brand new 4K restoration and a new interview with the director, Robert Lieberman. Matt, I've never seen Fire in the Sky. Have you? I have. It's not great, but there are some really terrifying moments. It really presents alien abduction as a very upsetting experience. Based on a, air quotes, true story. Sure. I remember as well. Mm, sure. MVD Visual is putting out Vampire's Kiss. Uh, <laughs> Nick Cage's movie from Remember Before Cage Fest. When I'm a vampire, I'm a vampire. Mm-hmm. That's what that's from. It's a previously prepared master provided by MGM, an audio commentary, including Nick Cage in that commentary. So it might be worth checking out. Monday Morning is being released by MVD Visual with a uh, truly unfortunate cover selection. Uh, this movie is also known as Class of Fear. Matt, the cover basically is uh, a shot of a behind of a guy, and you see him basically with his waist down and his hand out, and he's holding a gun. Mm. And in the background, where he's walking to, is a school. Ah, that's unfortunate. Indeed, brand new 4K restoration on that one, and the bitty, uh, excuse me, a VHS version is included as well with its other title, Class of Fear. A new interview with the writer and director. Matt, did you ever see Edge of Sanity, the Anthony Perkins movie? No. Well, not your chance. Getting released by Arrow. This is one where it's like an unusual take where of Jekyll and Hyde where Jekyll takes the uh, concoction. He actually turns into Jack the Ripper. That's what his uh, evil personality is. And Perkins stars. Brand new 2K restoration on that one. A brand new audio commentary and a bunch more. First pressing includes an illustrated collector's booklet, Matt, featuring new writings on the film. Arrow's also putting out a 2K restoration for the movie Initiation of Sarah. Includes a bunch of making of featurettes, a brand new appreciation of the film, appreciation of the film called Welcome to Hell Week, a pledge's guide to the initiation of Sarah, and more. Kino Lorber's putting out the UFO incident featuring James Earl Jones. Brand new 2K restoration of that one. Dark Force Entertainment's putting out Groupie starring Taryn Manning. They're also putting out Forced Entry from 1976, featuring Tanya Roberts and Nancy Allen. Indicator Series is putting out Pastor Hall. This is a, I think, a movie from the 30s. Gets a brand new restoration on that one. Sandpiper is putting out a couple films that were, I think, part of Twilight Time and have been out of print for a while. First is The Russia House, featuring Sean Connery and Michelle Pfeiffer. And then a movie I liked a lot when I was a kid. I have not seen it in a very long time. Um, I'm happy to hopefully maybe catch up with it, is... Richard III. This is the version, the fascist version, set in 1930s Britain. Oh, yeah. Ian McKellen. That is a good one. Robert Downey Jr. good one. Yeah, so I haven't seen that in a very long time. So if it's a good price, I'll be picking that up. Mill Creek Retro is putting out a Heart and Souls on Blu-ray. I should say it has a retro VHS cover. This is the movie Robert Downey Jr. and Charles Grodin, Alfred Woodward, Kara Sedgwick. Uh, They're also putting out in a VHS retro cover, slip cover, uh, as King Ralph. The John Goodman, Peter O'Toole mm-hmm. film. Detective is putting out The Brain from Planet Eros featuring John Agar. I love this write-up, Matt. It is just so pure, like 1940s, 50s movies. A powerful criminal brain from the planet Eros, Gore, assumes the body of scientist Steve March. Through March, he begins to control the world by threatening destruction to any country challenging his domination. Another brain, Val, works with March's future wife, Sally, to defeat Gore. Val explains that Gore will be vulnerable when he's forced to leave March at intervals to re-energize. Gore's vulnerable spot, the fissure of Orlando, is described in a note left by Sally in Steve's lab. Just those 50 sci-fi movies. You don't get much better than that. Fantastic. Brand new 4K restorations. Two presentations of the film. 
Uh, I should say two separate aspect ratios, 1.85 and 1.37. A new introduction by the star Joyce Meadows, a new audio commentary, and more. Matt, got some new 4K releases. First off, William Lustig's Uncle Sam uh, horror film gets a brand new 4K UHD release, including a Dolby Atmos and Dolby Vision track. Some audio commentaries, deleted scenes, and more. That's coming from Blue Underground. Giant is getting a UHD release. This is the James Dean, Elizabeth Taylor film. I think it's more of a Elizabeth Taylor, Rock Hudson film that James Dean is in. Uh, 4K restoration of the movie, audio commentary, and more. And then, of course, getting a UHD Steelbook release, Universal Soldier, featuring Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren. Listen, folks, Google the cover to that Best Buy Steelbook of Universal Soldier. And you try and convince me that that's supposed to be Jean-Claude Van Damme on that cover. It looks <laughs> nothing like him. It is hilarious. But uh, those are your UHD releases, Matt. Your straight-to-DVD pick of the week. I am going to go with the Meat Hook Massacre. Mm. This is a box set of all the Meat Hook films. I know you've been waiting for this one, Matt. Meat Hook Massacre. Meat Hook Massacre 2. Part 3, First Hunt. Part 4. Part five, the final chapter. Part six, Bloodline. Part seven, Bubba's Dead. And part eight, Mayhem. Eight blood-soaked films, the brand new artwork, extensive special features, presented on Blu-ray for the very first time, all housed in a gruesome collectible box. If you're a Meat Hook, Matt, Meat Hook, I can't say it, Meat Hook Massacre fan, Matt, this is the set for you. What should we be streaming this week? Before I get into that, there's a very there's a pretty valuable magic card called the Meat Hook Massacre. So I wonder if that's a uh, a reference yeah. to that. There you go. All right, so I'm gonna make two recommendations. Two recommendations. I, I'm really fingers crossed that you're gonna name one of them that I'm very excited about. So go ahead. Probably not. Um, no. So um, uh, a film that I quite enjoyed. Chris was a little more on the fence about it. Uh, the Northman, the latest from Robert Eggers, is available for Peacock. But since a lot of people don't have Peacock, I'm going to make another recommendation as well. I'm going to recommend the animated sci-fi anthology series on Netflix. Love, Death, Robots is got its third season out. I haven't watched them all yet, but the second episode of the season is directed by one David Fincher, and it is a good one. Ooh. They are... As an anthology series, it's hit or miss, but I think overall it's more hit than miss, and it's a pretty enjoyable little piece of dark sci-fi, or sometimes funny sci-fi. Man, I still gotta I gotta watch that. It is on the list, kids. And I just was gonna mention, too, that the Norwegian film, one of our favorite movies from last year, The Worst Person in the World, is on Hulu right now oh. to stream. So uh, if you haven't checked that out, please do. Uh, it's also getting a Criterion release, too, I think later this month. Thank okay. you. So... It's a good one. There you go. All right, folks. Let's keep rolling. Let's talk about the three-hour-long Hindi dub of RRR. Are you okay? Oh, I am so sorry. Don't worry. It'll come out. I'm so sorry. Oh, no. It's completely fine. Every damn wanker thinks he can dance. What do you think of yourself, huh? You country oaf. <laughs> Look at them. Wait. Look at all these brown buggers. What do they know about art? About finesse? About dance? Tango. Swing. 
Flamenco. Can you do any of these, huh? My man is about to get served. Was that guy supposed to be English? Because that is a terrible... I, I that If that's guy's somebody trying to pull off an English accent, they are not doing a good job. I don't know if that's really a concern of this film at all. <laughs> Though Ray Stevenson is in it, so there is that. You there see is the that. Punisher uh, out there. Yeah. So, man, RRR, Rise, Roar, Revolt, depending on what country you're in, also known as Rage, War, and Blood. Mm. Uh, Netflix currently has the Hindi dub available. It is a, how do you pronounce that? Telugu? Telugu? Uh, tele- I think it's Telugu. Telugu fil- uh, language film initially. Dubbed in a couple different languages. For some, I don't know why Netflix has the Hindi version, because mm-hmm. it is clearly dubbed, mm-hmm. um, but fine. I don't think we're losing that much in translation. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Matt, RRR is the most expensive Indian film of all time. And I'll tell mm-hmm. you one thing. You see every dollar on that damn screen. Mm-hmm. And it features one of the most stupefyingly charismatic actors I've ever seen. And that is uh, Sharan Raju, who plays Ram. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that guy. There's a really funny scene in the movie, Matt. Where So all right, let me back up. Let me tell you what the hell's going on in this movie. I'm, I'm going to try my best. I really am. Okay. I'm glad you got the one that's hard to explain this time. This never happens. <laughs> so it's about it's the uh, 1920s. The British government is still uh, ruling over India, right? Mm-hmm. And they have this tyrannical governor. Uh, this is Ray Stevenson's character, him and his wife, who I think maybe even worse than he is. And they're visiting a small village, and they buy this young woman, you know, because the uh, villagers don't know what's really happening, and they take her with her. And then the village protector, the guy who's in charge of everybody. Finds out, and he's going to go to town, basically. Go to the go to the capital and rescue the young woman. Now, there on the other side, there is another character. This is Ram. This is Sharan Raju's character. And he is a cop. He's struggling with bigotry and prejudice as he's trying to climb the ranks, Matt, in the uh, service there. But he, Matt, he has his own secrets. Mm. And there's a big climactic fight between our two re- leads, uh, Beam and Ram. And then, of course, they end up having to uh, join up to uh, mm-hmm. fight the imperialistic British. And boy, movie Matt, does this movie have a lot to say about imperialism? But mm-hmm. uh, and I, which is you know, I'm all in, right? <laughs> but there's a couple things I loved about this movie. A couple things I didn't. What were your thoughts on RRR, one of the biggest films on the planet? Mm, yeah um okay so first i just want to clarify one thing the kidnapped uh individual molly it's 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 she's more of a young girl she's more like nine years old this is not like a love interest or anything like that she's like the clarification uh, like like a kid um kind of thing um so we'll just put that out there um okay so i really like the colors in this it's very bright very vibrant it's very vibrant um, and Matt, I thought the, I, I am curious because you do not like mer- musicals, so I'm really curious no. your first experience to the Bollywood esque type thing where the musical numbers play really an integral part of the movie. Right. Um, we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> the, I, I like uh, I like uh, uh, the disclaimer 
at the beginning of the film mm-hmm. that all of the animals are CGI like we couldn't tell. Um, <laughs> that I thought was hilarious. And overall, I look, guys, I'm not really well versed in Indian cinema. I'm not familiar mm-hmm. with Bollywood. I'm not fil- familiar with this is technically Tollywood since it is a Telugu film yep. uh, or it's it's which is South India, whereas opposed to Bollywood is North India. It's Hindi. Um, it's different or even the Tamil section of India, which is a whole different thing. So but I know the tropes. Right. And this this film hits every one of those tropes. As far as I understand, these action movies are concerned. There are basically superhero action characters who have these death defying feats of just of prowess that they show off. There's lots of uh, dancing. For you know, in the middle, for no reason. Um, that's no reason. There. Although I think they do, they do a relatively good job. I think in the least at least why it's there because obviously they're having a throwdown dance off. So I guess that at least somewhat makes sense as to why that one is there. And honestly, all of it is a lot. A lot of times, it's ludicrous. I mean, it is just absolutely just over the top ridiculous. And your tolerance for that is going to change. I think where I struggle with this movie is that it's it's. It is too long by half. It lost me in long stretches of it. And the kind of... I This may not be fair, unfair, but I've, I've seen a lot of movies, guys. I've seen thousands and thousands of movies. The kind of, the kind of one after the other reversals and betrayals and one-upmanship and all this stuff, it's just not... It just kind of, instead of kind of pulling me in and like, oh, oh, look at this, this, this twist. It's kind of like, okay, okay, can we just move on? Just get me to the next wire scene and that's cool and we'll go from there. But Matt, there's, I would have pushed back in there because I think there is an earnestness to all of this, right? It's, Mm -hmm. I think it earns those musical numbers. I think it. I was really concerned that it was going to take me out of the movie when they would break Mm -hmm. into song or something would happen, but it doesn't. It didn't at all. It felt perfectly like seamless as part of that. I think because the film is so, as you said, vibrant, so colorful, and it's so over the top at times that mm-hmm. I think it all works and blends together perfectly. It makes me wonder, are we doing it wrong? Could we have used a dance sequence in Malignant? I don't no. know. Maybe. No. But- <laughs> no. The answer is no. <laughs> but there, but this genre of film that I have, I as I said, I... Like you, I have not had any experience with it previously. It's fun. I had a, a lot of fun with this thing. And I, I I did split it up. I watched an hour and 40 minutes and then like an hour and 20 over two nights. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I had to get this all done in one go. It's a long sit. Maybe not the most ideal way to do this. Again, it's fine. I, there are parts of this that I really had a good time watching. There mm. are other parts of it that I thought was a bit of a slog for me. Like it just didn't hold my interest. And here's the thing when I'm judging an action movie and maybe this isn't fair, but this is just my personal stake in it. I want one of two things to happen. Either a, I want to kind of feel a sense of exhilaration. Like I did watching those pilot scenes in Maverick, right? Which I think is the other big hit of, you know, the summer so far. Mm -hmm. Or I kind of want to lose myself in watching this. Like I just get so wrapped up into it. Everything just kind of falls away and you just kind of just get mesmerized by what's on screen. And that rarely happened in this. I thought it was okay. Like I went into this pretty blind, but you can't really escape 
the kind of gushing reviews that people are giving this thing. Like, it's just so good. Like, you know, it's just mind blowing. And I just didn't get that. I was like, I, I think it's well made. And I think it's, you know, a decent film, but I don't think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Yeah, I think you're mostly wrong. I think part of it is <laughs> I did get swept up into this. I had a lot did of you? fun watching. When I cut it off, the problem is I couldn't start it one night until the first night until like 10 o'clock. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to make it through to one o'clock. There's just no way. So yeah. uh, I, I, I don't know if that helped me, but I got swept right into it. I almost didn't want to stop watching it. I was having so much fun with it. And it's not without its problems. I think the script is not great. I think mm-hmm. the occasional mugging for the camera is a bit much, mm-hmm. but I know the thing is it's, it's clearly part of the film's aesthetic. It's what we're yeah. going for. So then after a while, that kind of stuff, you just, you kind of, you, you lay down your, you kind of American movie, movie going viewership kind of expectations watching mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. And there's a lot to enjoy. Now, as I said too, there is, I don't know, maybe a subtle, Barely detectable undercurrent of anti-imperialism in this film. Um, no, that beats you over the head with it. But there are some issues as well. There is actually actually a subtle through line of nationalism that runs through oh, this film. S- subtle? You well, think it's a subtle I think through the problem, line of nationalism? The subtlety is the problem. It's not so much about dealing with the, in the face of British imperialism. There is that, sure. But there's also an undercurrent of what's currently happening in mm-hmm. India. That is not great. There's some bad stuff happening right now culturally there. And there is an undercurrent of that here that I found a little unsettling. I'm not going to pontificate about this because it's not what the show is about. It's just that at times I found it a bit unsettling. Yeah. I mean, as somebody who's not immersed in that culture, although I, I have been there and I have been to southern India. And it was interesting because... I went there for work and a lot of the people that I, that we interacted with, that we worked with at, at the company we worked with is, uh, were from North India and they had a different, they definitely had a different vibe interacting with the people that were from Southern India. Mm-hmm. And you did see like that kind of subtle kind of nods, to the old caste system were still kind of in play. And I'm not an India, I'm not an expert on India. I'm not going to pass judgment on it or anything like that, but I did, get this sense that there's something more going on here that I felt wasn't necessarily a hundred percent positive. Like you can get on board with the anti-colonialism message, but it's kind of like, there seems to be some undercurrents that are there like around Islam and the tribal people and, and stuff like that, that it's like, Okay, Andy, I think there's something more going on here that maybe I'm ignorant of, but I'm still picking up what you're putting down to an extent. Yeah, I was definitely catching what they were throwing about that, too. And so that is if I had any real downside for the film, it would might be it might be that. But outside of that, I mean, I loved a lot of the action set pieces. They are truly glorious and over the top and ridiculous. The piggyback fight scene with the gun, he's running, holding him, and he's reloading the guns <laughs> so, for him. As a, I mean, so they're stupid. wonderful. <laughs> and what may be one of the greatest moments in cinematic history is when, is the jail, is it the jailbreak? Or no, is when he first goes to rescue uh, the young lady. Molly. 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 With the truck yeah. and the reveal of the truck yes. contents as it breaks open. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And then the scene when the two leads are fighting each other, what I thought was really funny is, so the animals are around, supposedly, 
And then there's a whole bunch of British sh- soldiers there too. But if you pay attention as the two leads are fighting, they're basically just running around. Yeah. Running into things, yeah. falling down, and running sure. around. It's really chaotic, mm-hmm. but it's funny because yeah. half of them, I think, are CGI'd. And they're just running around over and over again. It's like <laughs> it's like you're watching some NPCs in a video game from like the 90s in the background with them. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I will say, Matt, I, overall, I had a lot of fun with it. I think the action, as you said, is over the top, crazy, ridiculous, but it's a lot of fun. The musical numbers, I had no issues with. I, there's a lot here to enjoy and i want to mention too with uh this is based on two real people these they're mm-hmm. these characters these people existed and the yeah. whole conceit of the film basically is there are some there's some lost time in their lives so this mm-hmm. is like an imaginary tale of what could have happened during right. that time if the two of them had met and sure. it's a fun story and i will say too that rom rom's character He's so charismatic, but it's really funny. There's a scene where he's going to go undercover and try and find, you know, Beam's character. So he yeah. tells the governor he's going to do it, and he's clean-shaven, but with that mustache, just manly, yeah. like, man. That is a pretty dope mustache. I wish I could grow that kind of a mustache. And his hair, too. <laughs> Ooh, gorgeous. And then, like, the next scene, he's got, like, a beard. And I, I feel yeah. like he could will that. He is so masculine, the archetype sure. he portrays. He sure. could will the growth of that facial hair like in a matter of like 10, mm-hmm. ten minutes. And that's what the kind of charisma we're dealing with with this character. Yeah. The whole thing is just weird. The whole thing is just weird. I'm just thinking about, okay, it's like Rom's like starts off as a bad guy and he does some horrible, horrible things, but he's like ultimately got a good thing, but that doesn't excuse like the horrible torture he inflicts on people. I don't think so. Um, maybe, but maybe that's just me. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. So look guys, this is where we're going to come down with this. Chris told me I'm wrong. That's incorrect. (laughs) The, all the stuff that he was talking about that he loved, I can see that those are spectacles but I found them to be ridiculous and ludicrous. I found them more as an object of something I would expect to see on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Really well done, but just, you know, that type of just ludicrous, let's, let's come up with the craziest crap we can, th- we can do and throw it out there. I think you should watch this film. And I think you should come to your own judgments. Don't ride the hype. Make your own decision about what it is you think you like about this film. Just because Chris said it's an aesthetic choice, that doesn't mean it's a good choice. Okay? (laughs) You can make those aesthetic choices and that can be the point. True. But that doesn't have to be a good point to make or a good choice to make. Just keep that in mind. Don't let the RRR police tell you what is what you should and shouldn't like. That's I've said my piece. I'm going to come down on this middle of the road. I'm going to give it a B minus. I think you may have expected a lower, a lower score than what I was saying. But considering that if you look at like letterboxd or Twitter, like this is like an A plus film. Like it blows away every movie ever made by Marvel or like Tom, it like wipes its ass with Tom Top Gun Maverick. That kind of, it, no, it doesn't. Um, so just, just be, be aware of what you're getting into. Yeah, no, again, it's. I appreciate that you're trying to qualify that, though I do agree that you are wrong about some of it. I think a lot of decisions here 
are fine. It's good. It's fun. I think that I, I particularly love the anytime they collaboratively fought people, it was just mm-hmm. a beautiful thing to behold. Oh yeah. I think some of the straight up like human scenes, like I thought that night rescue scene on the bridge, I thought that was awesome. Like that was a lot of fun. I thought the animal scene was was a bit much. <laughs> the the animal army was a little bit uh little little bit a bridge too far for me. Fine. I'm I'm giving it a B plus. Okay. Uh, I have it's it's worlds it's a blast as always. So if yeah. you had a chance to see RRR, it's currently streaming on Netflix. The Hindi version is currently streaming on Netflix. Just an email at feedback at the first run dot com. All right, Matt. Let's close up the big show with the return of everybody's favorite role playing game, Who Dat. And you think I'm reckless? When I fly, I'll have you know that my crew and my plane come first. Well, I'm going to finish my sentence, Lieutenant. My review of your flight performance was right on. Is that right? That is right. But I held something back. I see some real genius in your flying, Maverick, but I can't say that in there. I was afraid that everyone in that tax trailer would see right through me. And I just don't want anyone to know that I've fallen for you. Matt, I'm watching Top Gun the first time and then that scene hits and she delivers that line and i'm like oh wait this movie's bad this is a bad movie because that screen of dial oh, hold on hold on let me let's do this right okay so that scene is horrible i mean really it's it's and that's when i realized top gun is not a great movie it's not it's 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 a perfect distillation of the of the decade, and it. Oh yeah, definitely. But it's that scene is atrocious. It really is, and the whole movie followed is, up by that cringeworthy silhouette love scene, which is just <laughs> it just ugh. It makes my skin crawl watching it every single time. Ah, good stuff. All right, Matt. So you are Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. I can't. This blows my mind. You have finally had a movie with a hundred million dollar opening weekend. First time. How are you feeling? And how is that possible? You know what? Honestly, I'm, I'm really happy for um, all the people that worked on my films. You know, I thought it was incredibly important to, you know, keep people employed. And mm-hmm. as you heard from the leak audio from Mission Impossible, it was very important to me that this we put out the best product even with the challenges of the pandemic and i'm glad audiences are reacting to it the way they are we put a lot of effort into this i suffered through a lot of g-forces um my eyeballs melted back into my (laughs) skull many many times and um i'm just glad people enjoy it i mean i'm here to entertain and I'm, i'm glad it makes me feel really vindicated that people connected with it this much that's good. That's good. That's right. I have this on repeat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I wonder what I didn't, what I should have done is looked up if that's adjusted for inflation. Like if Top Gun today would have broken hundred the, the first opening weekend or like one of the Mission Impossible movies, if you adjust yeah. for inflation actually would have broken a hundred million. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I can't wrap my head around that he would not have had a film that broke 100 million dollars before i i can't understand yeah i mean tom cruise seems to be like it's been one of those actors where he consistently does well but i don't think he's had like any kind of just massive hit like they've been you know solid hits but nothing like massive 
outside of Top Gun I can think of, right? Yeah, I don't know. I think the last couple Mission Impossible movies did really well. Yeah. War of the Worlds did really well, didn't it? I thought it only did middling. Yeah. You know what I'm also like is that that, that 1973 Porsche 911 that uh, she's driving in that scene yeah. is like, you know, $300,000 and she's just flying around <laughs> on a Navy government salary in that thing. Just sure, wanted to point that out. Every time I see that, yeah. Weird. Are we going to just let this play the whole Absolutely. time? Absolutely. So what do you got for <laughs> Um, Can we switch it up with maybe playing to the boys or Danger Zone? Just a few opening riffs of Danger Zone? I did Zone not. This, along the way? this takes a lot of preparation. First off, I had it to does. track down. You, you can't buy this. This is the original version from the movie. The one in the soundtrack is not this version. Even yeah. the instrumental version online, like on iTunes... I think it's maybe on the CD too. Again, not the movie version. So um, that's dedication there. Took some work, folks. That's right. So no, I can't. Just don't get this from any old podcast. That's right. That's what you get here. And I'm just waiting for Top. the DMCA notice too. We'll have to cut out this whole section <laughs> at some point. So go ahead. Well, who am I? All right, you're Greta Gerwig. Sure. Why should I see the Barbie movie? Because Little Women was great. Cause it had Bob Odenkirk in it. Uh, Francis Ha was a wonderful little film. Uh, everybody loves uh, Lady Bird. And it's going to be a fun, smart, feminist take on Barbie. You saw that leaked picture today of uh, your boy Ron Gosling as Ken. You tell me that I'm not going to nail this. you got to trust in my voice. It's going to be fun, interesting, topical. And uh, it's going to be a good movie. You're going to like it. It's not Battleship. All right? The movie. This is going to be good. <laughs> so, follow-up question. Yeah. Your other films are not known for being, like, hilarious funny? Is that what we're going to get in this? Are you trying to go for, like, a Brady Bunch movie type of uh, vibe to this thing? Great. I have absolutely no idea. Uh, Yeah, sure. I'm going to say yes. (laughs) I think it's going to be a satire of representation uh, of women and men and their Mm -hmm. unrealistic body expectations and i'm gonna take a hammer to that stereotype um with a little fun with it too yes yeah you're gonna take a hammer to that stereotype with two of the most beautiful people i've ever seen in my life so yes i'm really on board for this wait really. you, you just wait when ken drops trial and there's nothing there mm-hmm. so margot robbie's gonna walk around with uh with no nipples and uh <laughs> he's gonna be smooth down there no we're not gonna have margot naked we're just gonna do no, we got to even things out. So it's just Ryan Gosling. It's going to be a... Oh, we're just even things out. Okay. Yeah. What was that thing? I think we've seen some, enough some naked sh- women. It's now for, it's time for some... Horror. I've seen a lot of naked... I've seen I've seen quite a few naked men. Quite a bit lately. <laughs> sure, yeah. I, think they're, I think they're really... I think they've evened out that thing. And I think, you know, as long as it's equal, it's fine. You know? I will I think say... you're going to have... One of the crazy and funniest and bravest things I'm, I've seen in the last month... Is how oh much God, I know what you're gonna say. Full frontal nudity we got on that Kids in the Hall relaunch on Prime. I was not <laughs> expecting that. I'm watching this thing. My daughter's like walking around. It's the middle of a Saturday afternoon. I watch the first, and here comes Dave Foley's peen. I'm like, holy crap! I gotta turn this off. I like, I can't. I gotta watch this like in a secret in my office that like no, so the rest of the house doesn't see this. Yeah, no, I was blown away by that. That's good for you. Good for you. <laughs> All right, speaking of Margot Robbie, Matt, I'm probably stealing one of yours. You certainly are. I can already tell. Let's talk about it. Well, I have two more, so I'll, I'll, I'll let you go with it. Uh, okay. Matt, you're Dwayne Johnson. 
The Black Horse Adam trailer has dropped. Yes. Have you found your signature franchise? Um, I hope so. I have a lot of affinity for this uh, for this movie. I really have a lot of passion for it. I've been waiting for it to come out. Um, I hope that fans connect with it um, because I think really, um, I would love to bring in Shazam. I thought Shazam was one of the better DCEU films, mm-hmm. and I would really like to see those two franchises come together sure. um, the way they're meant to. And I think uh, people are going to enjoy this as my kind of anti-hero take on this kind of villain this classic villain that uh, we have from the comics. Good, good, good. good. Yeah, what do you think of the trailer? Um, I thought it, I thought it was pretty good. I'm not like super stoked for it or anything like that, but I think you know I'm interested. I'll see it. Yeah, I thought Hawkman looked okay. I love me some uh, oh. Doctor Fate with Pierce Brosnan. Doctor Fate looked dope. Yeah, I can't wait to see more Doctor Fate. Even Adam Smasher looked okay. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I have to check that out. I'm looking forward to that. All right, good enough. All right, so I'm going to ask my I'm going to ask my joke. Sure. Question. Although yeah. you're not you're not Margot Robbie, okay? All right. You're Todd Phillips. That was mine too, but go ahead. Uh, what the hell does a musical Joker movie mean? Here's the thing. And why am yeah. I interested in this? So are you? All right, that's interesting. So there is interesting because the DCEU superhero heads, all the big, you know, comic book movie guys are very upset that this is going to be allegedly a musical and it's going to ruin the purity of the chaos of the first film, sure. right? Sure. So there are people in the film Twitter camp that I think you and I tend to roll in that find it amusing how upset they are. And there are people who think, oh, now I actually want to see this movie because he's going to do a, miracle, a musical and Lady Gaga supposedly is in talks to play uh, Harley Quinn. Here's yeah. the thing. Nope. I am still not interested in this movie because it's no. Todd Phillips making it. All right. I hated the Joker movie and yeah. I don't care. I don't, I, I have no faith in the man to make an entertaining movie. So I don't care if he's trying to do something different with a musical because he's going to fumble it. It's going to be horrible. And I keep telling myself, I need to get an audio clip of Walter Goggins from the hateful eight saying, Nope. So I got to <laughs> drop that in here, but either way, no, I don't understand why there's more people who are kind of like interested in this thing. Uh, I'm not. I'm still not. I don't want to see. It's going to be bad. All right. Mm-hmm. And I don't yeah. know if I'm going to restart the sound clip because I don't know how it's going to sound. Mm-hmm. So I may let not let it play again for the rest of this se- segment. Okay. I may change my mind. Go so, ahead. so I, I like to just a couple things. First, you ruined the game already because you were supposed, oh, to, supposed be to be Todd, Todd Phillips, Phillips not, right. not Chris Pietroscalzo ranting about nope. Joker the musical. All right, hold on. Let me reset. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to see now. Now I'm just going to do it. Okay. So <laughs> I'm Todd Phillips. Matt, what I'm trying to do here, I broke the mold the last mm. time. All right. I gave you a tortured Scorsese-esque kind of, you know, taxi driver retelling of the Joker story as a deeply flawed man who punishes not not only himself, but society, the society that wronged him, right? I have turned the superhero genre on its head, and I'm going to do it again because I am a change agent, a chaos agent, and I'm going to go ahead once again to redefine the superhero genre, Matt, 
by bringing the musical into it. I know you got your Buffy the Vampire musical episodes and <laughs> your other thing here, but this is going to change superhero cinema as we know. Thanks, Todd. I just threw up in my mouth a little bit, but thank you for answering that question uh, for me. Um, as Matt, as part of the first run, I didn't like the Joker movie either. I hate musicals generally. There's very few of them that I like. Um, things like Baby Driver or La La Land, not accept, you know, not accepting kind of thing. But I'm I I'm curious about it because I just feel like it's going to be such a car. I'm, I'm because it's going to be such a car wreck and it's going to be so bad that <sighs> is it going to be fun to hate watch it? No, I don't know. I don't even it might be. But time. here's the thing: you know, you're going to make us go see it. We're going to go see oh, this probably. We're, no, we even probably about it. We're gonna end up going to see it. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna contribute to the take. This is one of those many films where we get mad that we contribute to the take. Maybe I'll just watch like a cell phone version of it from Pirate Bay <laughs> or something. Yeah, there you go. Sucks. Matt, you're Nev Campbell. Of course I am. You are allegedly out of Scream Three due to mm-hmm. salary demands. Mm-hmm. What's that about? You know what? I don't understand why they can't pay me. I mean, um, I'm the kind of linchpin of a lot of these films. Uh, the fans love me. I love coming back. Um, if I'm being honest, I could, you know, I, it's been a while since I've been in things, and it's nice to kind of jumpstart my career um, as I reach middle age. And uh, you know, I think I, I think I'm totally deserve it. Um, you know, maybe it's a fake out. You know, because I'm going to be the mo- the bad guy in it. I'm going to be the villain. Um, that's what the hope is. But I don't uh, I don't see it happening. And I'm I'm kind of disappointed that she's not going to be in it, or I'm not going to be in it. Fair. Me, Nev Campbell. All right. Well, now Matt, you've interviewed Nev. What are your What's your reaction to uh, her? Not yeah, it's back? it's a shame. I think um, you know it's it was good to see her back. I kind of. Uh, you know, I, I like uh, I'd like to see her kind of continue. I feel like she's the Jamie Lee of this series. Obviously, I mean, um, you know, I, I think it, and I think it would be a really interesting turn if if Sydney became the villain. I think that's the last thing that they could do that could actually kind of doesn't that go against some fun. her entire character? How would you pull that off? That she I don't know how you would pull that. But who? But it's always somebody you know. So who the hell is it going to be? I mean, they've killed well spoilers they've killed a lot of the other principals yeah um they brought back every relative that he could think of um for all the other characters i mean who's left her dad is her dad gonna be oh but now he's really is the killer this time i don't know i I don't get it i don't know fair yeah yeah i think it's ridiculous i I just pay her what she wants you know yeah what is she it's not like she wants like a billion dollars i'm sure Right. Maybe she wants a I mean, cut of the grosses too or something. I don't know. That's probably what it is. That always seems to be the sticking point. It's not really the salary. It's when they want back end points the of that's when they start to get uh things get to get dicey, you know. Check. If she was just like pay me ten million dollars, they'd probably just do it. Um, oh, yeah. but if they were like, you know, oh I want, you know, a half a percentage point or something, they'd be like, Whoa, 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 let's calm down. But then they'll just find a way to, you know, make it look like the movie didn't make any money. Right. I mean, it's true. Jack Nicholson ruined that for everybody, though. I think what did he end up making like a hundred million dollars or something off of the, of a Batman from '89? That's when he signed oh, up. He? Yeah, he got like a, a percentage of the grosses of the gross. Yeah. The movie. Interesting. That's what all the Marvel characters. That's what all the Marvel guys do. I mean, they all they take like. I mean, 
it's ridiculous to think of how much like Hemsworth and Evans and even RDJ made for their first role. I mean, under under a half a million dollars, you yeah. know, and then they all make their money on the back end for making points. So there you go. Good times. All right. Um, you're Matt Reeves. Okay. Uh, who is the villain in Batman two? And why is it Mr. Freeze? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've ruined it. It is the, uh, thanks for spoiling everything because it's the tragic love story that we have yet to really see in this entire franchise. Uh, this is, you know, the Mr. Freeze's whole thing is that he, if I remember correctly, he accidentally, oh no, his wife was ill and he froze her until he could find a cure for her illness, right? Right. Yeah. So that's his whole shtick. And then he had an accident with the freeze stuff that turned him into Mr. Freeze, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But it's it's right up your alley, his, you know, the alley of this that we're trying to go for. It's a tragic, romantic monster. And um, maybe we'll throw in, I don't know, a clay phase too. But monster clay face, that might be kind of fun. Yeah. Though I don't know if a monster clay face, now that I'm thinking about it, is the right fit for my Fits in this world. universe. Yeah, that yeah. might be a little tough. But I think Freeze is the way to go. I will I will be introducing Harvey Dent. We need to bring him in at some point, but he won't be Two-Face. Maybe that'll be the end of my trilogy. Yeah. And uh, we'll go from there. But I think there's a lot of possibilities and then we bring back, or we introduce maybe a new love interest as well. So that way we get that for Pattinson's character, for his Batman. Mm -hmm. So he has a parallel issue with a uh, romance. So he kind of identifies. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Because he lost his virginity in the first film. No, he didn't, did he? Uh, who knows? Maybe he did. Who knows? <laughs> Either way. <laughs> yes. It's going to be Freeze. And it'll be good. Did you see? Now this is me again. Your uh, favorite co-host. Uh, in... The movie, there is a scene outside of the Iceberg Lounge where it's like a it's a shot looking down, and there's a window with a person in it, and that's Riddler. Oh, okay. Because he's right outside of the Iceberg Lounge. So okay. next time, when he, no, if you watch it again, that. there'll be one yeah. kind of static, well, some kind of thing. I think it's a crane shot, you know, air quotes, uh, that comes up, and there's a like one lit window on the side of a building, and that's Riddler. Okay. And that's Reeves a, confirmed okay. that that's actually the case. So okay. that was kind of a neat little thing. I will say, Mr. Reeves, I appreciate your restraint with the Joker. If sure. he just kind of is a periphery character in this, all this, I would be happy. Because I've seen enough of him. Even though he's a classic villain and he is fantastic, I think um, I think I'm good right now. Yeah, I mean, we, did, we didn't exactly hire a no-name. We got Barry Keogh to play him. So he may yeah. show up at some point. Maybe that will be our trilogy topper is maybe a uh, Arkham Asylum type film. Man, I can't tell you how much maybe. I'd like to see a horror film where Batman fighting his way through uh, Arkham Asylum. What it always... See, I think it would be really interesting if they did, like... If they made Joker, like, a Hannibal Lecter type character. Mm -hmm. Like, he goes to, like, talk to him in the... But he's kind of this... this you know, demon kind of lurking in the shadows that he got barely locked away kind of thing. I think that could be a lot more interesting than having him running loose, causing chaos. Absolutely. I don't need to see any more Smilex. <laughs> good times. All right, we good? Yeah, we good. Good times. Good, bro. All right. Well, that's it. What do you think? What's your... <laughs> it's a late night, folks. We shifted back to recording this at night, so it's... Uh... Mm -hmm. We lose theme. There you go. What Hold are you? What are your thoughts on who that? How would you answer as those people? Tom Cruise, Dwayne Johnson, Matt Reeves, and more. We'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at feedback at the first run dot com. 
Matt, what's coming up next week on the big show? Um, we're watching Lightyear. Um, our first is this our first Pixar film of the year? I think. Um, I think it may be. And then we're gonna watch Cha uh, Cha Real Smooth. Nice, good times. Cha Cha. In the meantime, you can uh, oh, Terrence Malick Marathon is uh, staring right down Ooh. too. That, that's coming I'm up. Excited for that. So yeah, that'll be yeah. good. So uh, in the meantime, check us out at thefirstrun.com. You can see archives of all the old shows going back years, as well as the report card. And then check us out on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Do a search for The First Run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually you will find us. Head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. It'll help other people find the show. And Matt, I guess I guess that's going to be it. So we're going to go ahead and take an extended break. We love you. We'll see you soon. Damn right.